<laughs> and that's wet. <laughs> Let's play, pray for this dear man. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bless Montaz, that you will bless his mouth and the words that he brings to us. May we hear what it is he has to say, what it is you have to say. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Bron. Hey, great to be with you again. It really is. Um, I just want to say thank you for all your warmth and hospitality you've shown, friendship to these strangers uh, all the way over from the UK. It's a strange thing that two weeks have almost ended. Uh, they've gone pretty quickly. Uh, it started a couple of weeks ago when we landed uh, on a Wednesday at Adelaide Airport. And I was expecting, because I had an email from the leadership team saying that uh, Ricky and Sid would meet us at the airport. Uh, and so as we come in on the escalator, there they were. Except I now realise it was Linda and Sid. And so I was really beginning to think, weird. <laughs> I thought maybe that's how things are in Oz. Anyway, but no, it was a great welcome. I was just pleased that, that, that they were there, really. I just wasn't sure uh, how this was going to turn out, if these people were going to be real, if this was some kind of big laugh they were having on me. You know, a sucker. Uh, but uh, no, they didn't took us back to this lovely uh, caravan site. And it stuck us up. The, the fridge was full. B beer can after beer can <laughs> after beer can. <laughs> really? Sid very kindly gave us his motor. I don't know if you ever tried it down on the beach. It's great for rallying down the beach. <laughs> I mean, uh, so we, we've cleaned the sand out of the engine compartment, Sid. So uh, thanks for trusting me with your motor. Uh, but uh, we've had, a, we've had a, a great time, really. You, you guys have exposed us to where you are, and if we wanted to see that, uh, and to get a feel for what the Lord is doing here, and it's wonderful to hear um, how you're lifting high the name of Jesus. I mean, that's the connection here. And uh, so, yeah, I was really blessed this morning, uh, thus far. I hope, I hope that doesn't change just now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think one of the things I ask the leadership team is if I, c if I can be exposed to the variety of ministries that you do here. Uh, both in the church and outside in the community, and I hoped, well, I asked I if you could uh, maybe expose me to one of your penal institutions just to see what ministry that is amongst prisoners. And so they gave me an address. I turned up Wednesday evening. I was a bit confused because it looked like a residential address, but then nevertheless I turned up, and it was Graham and Denise's house. <laughs> I thought, okay, maybe it's a mistake, but I wasn't there for five minutes before I realised through the foggery that I experienced there, that it really was a penal institution. You <laughs> know, I was, I was told before I came here that uh, you just be prepared, Montez, the Aussie humour is brutal, it's brutal humour. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about the humour, all I saw was brutality, <laughs> really. So um, quite a rude awakening, uh, but now it's great. Uh, it was a bit of confusion though, because I'd gone there with my shorts and my uh, soccer ball, because apparently after the, the host groups, the yeah, because they told me after the host group that there was uh, soccer, which I now realise was supper. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so it, it just, just, you know, it's just getting lost in translation. But, uh, but beyond that, I mean, here's the thing. 
This is my last Sunday. I mean, you guys are really trying to make it hard for me. I've got a, a Don here, <laughs> right, okay? Uh, and, and uh, Nick over there, and it is intimidating, uh, honestly, and I, I say this with, with absolute seriousness. I mean, I mean, this guy has written multiple books, okay? I mean, this is about the best I've ever done. It's <laughs> just a little <laughs> evangelistic <laughs> pamphlet. <laughs> I think we'll just hide that, all right? Uh, right. But, you know, he's broadcasting all around the world, in the, including the UK. The closest I've got to radio is by taking a picture of the mast. You know, there's a radio station. And uh, he's multiple degrees. And this guy's got four degrees. Really? I was thinking the only, in my theological degree, I had to pay $50,000 to buy off eBay. <laughs> I'd never been near a, a biblical institution. You, I wouldn't be seen dead in one of those. I mean, I mean who'd want to work in a Bible college? Don. <laughs> <laughs> no, joking aside, guys, it, it, it is good to be here. And, and that connection in Jesus. I, I can't compete with Nick. I mean, who could? I even used, pardon? Uh, I need a lot of grace. I even used to think, well, maybe I've got my good looks and charms to take with me. I mean, look how good this guy looks. And he's 85. Oh, sorry, 65. Sorry, I meant 65. Right, okay, so, hey. So, in all honesty, I come in real humility. And I stand before you in humility. And particularly because of what I'm about to do. I'm about to open the word of God to you. And who is sufficient for these things? It, it is the greatest honor and the most humbling to have the privilege to open God's word to you. So thank you for inviting me to do that, all the way from the UK. It's my greatest delight in life. And I trust and pray that God will speak to me now, and that he'll speak to you. Let me pray the last time. Father, it is you we want to hear, and your son, Jesus. And so for a moment, it's neither Montaz, nor Don, or Nick, or anyone else, for this one moment, give us a piece of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you about a bit about my childhood. When I was 14 years, I could do with another watch. Can I borrow your watch again, buddy? Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I could, yeah, <laughs> I just need that. So thank you. Uh, I was about 14 years old. So well, that's about five or six years ago now. And, um, and I was sitting having breakfast at home, uh, and two Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on my door. And I welcomed them in. I hadn't got a clue who they were or what they were about. Uh, but they sounded interesting. And, and so we sat there, and for about an hour, they told me all about Jehovah. And I was really buying this. Uh, God had, had already been working in my life from about the age of 11. So by now, I was really ripe for this. So I was really buying this. And, and they wanted to take me to one of their Bible studies, which I agreed to that week. But for... I can, I, can, I can only imagine it was a God moment because they failed to turn up. <laughs> really, unbelievable, they just didn't turn up. And, and I thought to myself, well, and I look back on that and I think, what a close shave. Who knows what I may have been involved in. 
why am I being negative then? Why am I being negative about Jehovah's Witnesses? And I don't want to single them out, but I think here's the issue. They talk about Jehovah, uh, and I was buying that. And I think it's a question we need to ask ourselves, why aren't we talking more about Jehovah? After all, that is the name of God, as revealed, certainly began with his revelation to Moses and has continued through scripture. Why aren't we talking about him? I mean, what is the issue? I think it's important we face is have we gone wrong somewhere? I mean, from the moment this worship service started, uh, I've only heard the name of Jesus, and I want to ask, who the heck is Jesus? I haven't once heard the name of Jehovah of God, and I want to know why you were so taken up with Jesus. We've been singing about him, we've been praying about him, we, we've had a well, we didn't actually have a Bible reading, did we? Oops, we've meant to have had John chapter 7. But we'll, 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 uh, we'll forget about that for now. But uh, what is it about Jesus? And why has he stolen the show? Because he has. He is center stage. So either your faith is a million miles away from authentic Christianity or it's right bang in the center of it. And I want to ask, should Jesus be the center of Christianity? So come with me. We're, we're exploring the passage we never had read, I'm sorry, um, lack of communication. But we are in John chapter 7. Hopefully you'll pick it up as we go through. It's John chapter 7, verses 25 to 31. All being well, my best friend Megs is going to help me out, and we should get... Uh, the text, if it's not working, just do the pantomime thing. Look behind you, okay? Just make sure everything's okay. Hopefully, it will come up for you. We're looking at the Gospel of John. Uh, th- this is a character who was one of Jesus' disciples. He was a close companion of Jesus. And, and what he wrote was an eyewitness account of Jesus. So we're going to get this morning, I hope, okay? It's a first-hand account from Jesus as to why he is to be the center of worship. So let's listen to him. Uh, I've got just one heading this week. So be of good cheer. We may not be here so long. So it's this, and I'm gonna, it's, it's got a word missing. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of. Uh, I, wanna just, I want you just to think of that. And the answer may, obvi- may be obvious, but would you just at least Suspend your thoughts there. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of. Verse 27 begins. But we know where this man is from. This is a crowd in Jerusalem. Let me just give you the context. Uh, and they're engaging Jesus in conversation. And here's their response. We know where this man is from. When the Messiah or the Christ, the, the religious figure that the Jews were looking forward to coming, when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. So the crowd have worked out something about Jesus. Uh, they've worked out, uh, this is an extraordinary character. But there's confusion, and the confusion is anchored in the fact that they know something of him. This is just a mere carpenter's son, hardly a candidate for a Messiah. And so the confusion is there, and Jesus responds to them, yes, you know me, verse 28, and you know where I am from. 
So some concession here. Jesus agrees, yes, you do know I am a carpenter's son. I am Joseph's son, who perhaps by this time uh, is deceased. Uh, and so it's quite possible that Jesus took on the family business, but is now an itinerant minister. But they know, they know him. He was the local carpenter, well, not at least here, but from up in Nazareth where he dwelt. And so Jesus concedes that they've understood something of who he is, but nevertheless, they've missed his primary character, his primary personhood. And so in the next chapter, Jesus is explicit there and says these words which, which, which at least demand attention. John 8:58. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And uh, you may already be picking up uh, uh, some connection there between Jesus' statement there and the one made to Moses. But uh, look, who's Abraham? Someone tell me who the heck is Abraham? Oh, uh, oh, oh, how long ago did he live uh, in this timeline where Jesus is now standing? Yes, thank you very much. 2,000 years, at least 2,000 years, okay? So here's a character in Jewish history, a holy man, a, a prophet. His life was at least 2,000 years previously. And Jesus' statement is, and I want you to hear it again or listen to it or see it again, before Abraham walked the planet, I am. It's a colossal statement. Look, either this is a madman, really. I mean, look at a crazy guy says something like that. Either he's a, a madman, or this just may be the most extraordinary person ever to have walked our planet. You've got to at least listen. And so returning to chapter 7, verse 28, Jesus says, look, I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. I'm going to bring in one of my favorite theologians here, uh, another Don, Don, uh, Don Carson. Uh, and, and his point is here that, that, that this isn't so much that God is true, so much as that this is the genuine God. It's not as that God can be false or true. I think Jesus' point is that this is the genuine God. And I don't know what your background is, uh, but, but the Bible is quite clear on this, on this point. There's only one genuine God. And so Jesus' point is that this, the God that he is referring to is the genuine God. And because the Jews are refusing to believe Jesus, it's revealing a bankruptcy about their knowledge of this God. And it says this thing, this in 28. Uh, and I want you to just pick up the, the provocative nature of what he's saying here. Verse 28, so Jesus to the crowd, you do, and to a Jewish crowd in Jerusalem, the capital of the religious center of that world, you do not know God. Boy, was that loaded. Really? I mean, you have to understand how insulting a suggestion that is. I guess it'd be, I mean, what would be, what would be the thing that would most insult Australians? 
Uh, I don't know, look, imagine I came and said to you guys, or maybe not you in Adelaide, but some of the other guys, uh, you convicts. If I said something like, look, uh, you, you, you're of good stock, good, and a law-abiding citizenship. I mean, that would be really insulting, wouldn't it, in Australia? <laughs> I mean, it really would. Okay, you're likely to get stoned. Uh, you try and say that in Tasmania. Right, okay? Right. <coughs> this was really, and in all seriousness, uh, an absolutely provocative, dangerous statement to make. The Jews prided themselves on the fact that they, of all of human civilization, I mean, the entire globe now, that they alone exclusively had both access and knowledge of God through their scriptures, through the holy prophets. And so for Jesus to come and make this statement, it really was a death wish that he was presenting to them. You see, knowing God was both intrinsic and exclusive to being Jew, to being a Jew. And so Jesus' words, you do not know him or you do not know God, cuts to the deepest levels of Judaism. It was the ultimate insult. So what is going on here? Is Jesus just, is he out just to provoke people? You know, you get those people, don't you? Sid, he's just out there just to provoke people, <laughs> okay? Just to wind people up for no reason. I mean, I mean, what is going on here? I mean, let me ask you, on what basis can Jesus throw out, cast out, such a derogative, insulting statement like that in, in the capital, in the religious capital of Judaism? Someone answer me. On what basis is he making this accusation? Pardon? Well, he knows the Father, and Sid is, is almost there. It's that. Is, so I'll, I'll add to that. Thank you, Sid. If they truly knew God, as they claim to do, through their scriptures, which we call the Bible, through their prophets, holy men, if they truly knew God, then they would, by default, know and believe who? Jesus! That's the point here. It's on that basis that Jesus cast this. If you really knew God, you'd know that he's standing in your presence. That's the point, that they're missing the ultimate revelation of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus mirrors God in absolute perfection. Back in the UK, we live near a zoo. Not in a zoo, just near a zoo. I've got an annual pass. Uh, and we tend to go most weeks because once you pay your money, it's free thereafter. Uh, and, and one of the things that we always tend to do is, is gravitate towards the, the play areas. <laughs> it's just life uh, with young children. Uh, and, 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 and we always pass the lion's enclosure because uh, the kids' play park is inside the lion's enclosure. 
Uh, not really. <laughs> oh, we're not. We're not that bad, <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, and so, and so, we go there, and I just love to hear the roar. Have you? I mean, you must have heard the roar of a lion. It's majestic, isn't it? Powerful. Uh, and so, so we'd go along there uh, and see the lions. And look, here's just a little something I want to draw from that. Imagine a lion. I think we've got a picture. There you go. Okay. Look. Uh, look at that. That's Nick. His little montas, okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right, okay, right. So, so look, <laughs> you got the lion there, okay. We'll call him Nick to make it easier, okay. And you want to do an exploration of what a lion is. You want to know everything there is to know about a lion, okay. But Nick's not around, and you just got little montas there, okay. He's the cute one, <laughs> okay, right. Now, could you learn anything about? Daddy lion from little baby lion, the cub. Everything. Everything that there is to know about being a lion is in that cub. It's DNA. It's an identical match. Uh, this is a, a theological term now, on, ontologically, okay, or a, a philosophical term. The cub and the daddy lion are ontologically identical. That means they are identical in substance and essence. There's no difference there. And, and Jesus' point is, here's the point of scripture, friends, that Jesus is perfectly, ontologically, in essence, the exact image of God. Not a degree less. And it's precisely what Jesus, if we read Jesus right, it's precisely what he reveals consistently throughout his ministry. John 5, listen to Jesus here, talking to the Jews, the Jewish leaders now. And he says to them, look, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. Listen to this. These are the scriptures that testify about me. What is the central message of the Jewish scriptures? It's God. Who is on every page of the Jewish scriptures? It's God. Who have the Jews understood the scriptures are all about? It's about God. And Jesus comes on the scene and stands before this crowd of educated religious men and says to them that the God that you read about and study about and talk about is standing in your presence. I am the very focal point and center and apex of your book. These are the scriptures that testify about me. And so the point is simply this, friends, that Jesus is the ultimate and greatest presentation of God that humanity has seen. He is the visible image of the invisible God. And so in communication, John 14, a few chapters on, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and poor Philip still hasn't quite got who Jesus is. And listen to this, it's, it's a powerful thing. Uh, verse eight, Lord, uh, Lord, just show us the Father. Come on, Jesus, we've just been waiting to see God. And Jesus' answer, verse nine, don't you know me, Philip, even now? 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That there is no discrepancy. Do you remember those pictures you used to do when you were a kid? I know that Graham still does them. You know, spot the difference. <laughs> There's not a single discrepancy between the image of God and Jesus Christ. And so Colossians 2.9, he reflects God perfectly, all the fullness of God dwells in him. And John 5.19, he not only reflects God's character, but he functions and performs identically to God. Listen to this. He gave them this answer. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Who here? What man could in his right mind claim that whatsoever the Father does, he does also? Uh, you tell me, how much room does that leave between God, the Father, and Jesus Christ? There's no room whatsoever. And so Jesus' points then, friends, that they do not go, know God is absolutely valid. The reason that Jesus, if you ever wonder this, the reason that Jesus could forgive sins is because he's God. The reason that Jesus could multiply five loaves and two fish and feed multiple thousands of people is because he's got one with God in essence and quality. The reason that Jesus could calm the raging sea with the power of his voice because he is one with the God who created all that. And the reason, and I think this is just spectacular, it's one of my favorite miracles of Jesus, the reason that Jesus could walk on water and just think about this. When he walked on water, simultaneously, fish were swimming beneath his feet. Okay? He remastered, reconfigured the molecular structure of, of at atoms that make up water to one and the same time to simultaneously support his weight and to allow fish to swim. Wow! Are you getting the picture of who Jesus is? Wow. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. That's what we have here. Got a bit more for you. Can you cope with a bit more? Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Verse 29, Jesus continues. You do not know him, but I know him. Jesus knows God because as God's son, he is the closest any being can be to God. There is no closer relationship than the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Look, we're always confused about how to function in relationship. Really, aren't we? I mean, how do we relate to one another? How do we relate to our marriage partners? How do we relate to kin? How do we, re how do we relate to one another? The ultimate example and illustration of relationship is between God the Father and God the Son. You want to know how to make your marriage work? Your, your relationships work with colleagues or what, with brothers and sisters here at least? Just look at Jesus and his Father. It's the perfect 
illustration of relationship. He continues, but I know him because I am from him. Jesus arrived on the planet from a starting point that differs to the starting point of every other human on the planet. We came from nothing, absolutely nothing. Before we were born, before our conception at least, we did not exist. Before Jesus' conception, before his birth, and this is his point about Abraham, he was already in existence. We're dealing with a character whose existence predates his conception and birth. We have never, we've yet to find a human anywhere on the planet who can make that kind of claim. And then he continues, he sent me. Okay, look, this is a reference to something else theologians, another term theologians use, the incarnation. Not to be confused with carnation cream. Do you have that here? No, 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 it's popular back in Britain. Uh, this is uh, the incarnation. It's just a theological term for Jesus' birth. When mere mortals, such as you and I, are born, we call that a, a birth. We just had one. I mean, except in the case of Kent. I mean, in the case of Kent, you know, we may not call that a birth. Maybe, maybe a catastrophe. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can take it, he's a big guy, he's a big boy, you know, okay? But normally at least, okay, normally at least, uh, uh, our introduction to the world is called a birth. Jesus' birth is not a mere classical birth. Rather, it's a departure from one realm into another. It's, 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 it's this transition from being always perfectly in situ with God, as it were, and coming to our world, our planet. It's the fusion, it's, it's this great complex, uh, complexity of theology. It's the fusion of God with a human body, as it were. And so you have, in Jesus, uh, the most incredible fusion of fully God, and this is Christian doctrine, that we, we are, Philippians chapter two, that Jesus did not give up the smallest attribute of his deity, his godness, during this process, that in that body of Jesus Christ, he was always fully God. So let me give you this as a mind-blowing reality. Do you know when he was hanging on the cross? At that moment, whilst he suffered for the sins of the world, he was simultaneously holding together the planet he was keeping it in orbit. He was ensuring that, that there was sufficient oxygen on the planet at the very moment he was being crucified because there was never a moment in Jesus' experience of being in this man that he was less than God. And yes, he was fully human, fully man. It's a complexity we, we don't fully understand. It's Christmas. Thus, Jesus' human body Although he may not have looked like God, he looked like one of that, he looked like our body, it doesn't excuse the Jews. It doesn't excuse the Jews because all of God was fully within him, there to be perceived. I mean, I don't think we've invented brain transplanting yet. I mean, unless you know of an occasion, Nick. No, no. I'm quite happy to have a go if, if, if one becomes available. Okay, but, <laughs> but I want you to imagine, look, 
if it was possible, and I, I know scientists are exploring it, really, they are. Okay, you may take a terminally ill person, we'll call him Matthew for the sake of this illustration, uh, and you may take a really healthy person, uh, we'll call him Daniel. Uh, if you could take the mind of the dying Matthew and plant it into the body uh, of a healthy Daniel, this is what you'd have, wouldn't you, if sort of such a thing was feasible, that you'd have in appearance Daniel, but in essence, the character would be Matthew. And I think there's something of that going on here, in that, yes, the Jews did see a carpenter. It's true, he was a carpenter. We've got a carpenter here, haven't we? I know one of you, um, your hobby was a carpenter, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's the lowest of trades. Yeah, 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 you know. Uh, one thing we do in Britain, we do not associate with carpenters. <laughs> we do not eat with them, okay? We do not uh, go to their houses voluntarily. That's the last time I'll be stepping through that threshold, okay? Right, so, so yes, he was a carpenter, he was a human, he looked like a human, he ate, he ate, he got hungry, he felt pain, but within that, the Jews should have seen that this was no ordinary man. It was instead the being they referred to as God. And so finally, and I, I want to try and come to a close now. Okay, verse 31. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him. Yet many in the crowd put their faith in him. In him. I'm going to be the laughing stock of Great Britain when I go back. I told them all that I'm going to sunny Adelaide to top up my tan. I'm going to be returning with a cold. Yes. <laughs> Someone explain that one to me, okay? You haven't done a very good job of selling this place, okay? <laughs> right. So still many in the crowd put their faith in him. And that is, let me, let me see, try and humbly explain what I think that is saying there, friends. They put their faith in him, meaning they now worshipped Jesus as God. This is the point here. They put their faith in Jesus as God. That combined with that heard, with what they had seen of him, and their, cons uh, their conclusion is that this is God, and thus they put their faith in him. And let me say something more. Up until the point that they put their faith in Jesus as God, their faith in God was void. That's the point here. Up until they moved in this transition from faith in God, the God they knew of the scriptures, until they moved from that position to putting faith in Jesus as their God, that faith they exercised was void. And Jesus says so, listen to this, John 5, 23. He who does not Honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Friends, our word to Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever other religion it may be is that to fail to honor, to worship, to bow the knee to Jesus makes faith in God void. Why is every other religion out there uh, uh, kaput, if you like? And, and that is what Christianity is saying, and it must never be ashamed to say that. That there is only 
want access to God and it's through Jesus. Why is every other religion, why does every other religion out there, whatever they believe about whoever, why does it always consistently, time and time again, fail or fall short of the standard that God requires? And it's simply this, that to fail to exercise faith in Jesus as God makes faith in any other thing void. No one can honor the Father, says Jesus, without honoring him. There is no knowledge of God. There is no relationship with God. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no hope of heaven, no matter who you believe in, without faith in Jesus as God. And anything less than that makes every other faith void, useless. It's like turning up to catch a flight and your ticket is not valid. So my word to you is, I mean, you may forget whatever else I say to you. My word to you is this, the faith in God, without faith in Jesus Christ as God, will do nothing for you. And you can knock on as many doors as you possibly can manage. You can give as much of your resources as you possibly can. Unless our faith in Jesus is that of Jesus as God. Then our faith is void. Powerless. Because Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God and so him. I have almost finished. Well, I want to give you a point of application. Number one, um, you are new to me. I don't know you all well. Uh, I have no interest in knowing you well either. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, maybe Don. You know, maybe Don. Uh, it's been a great privilege getting to know uh, uh, you guys. <coughs> but no, look, I don't know you really, I don't. I've spoken to you, and you look like great people, most of you. Uh, let me all look at this side of the room when I say that. Okay, most of you, okay. But I don't really know where you stand in God. <laughs> yeah, I can see the handcuffs. <laughs> I can hear them jingling, can you? Okay, uh, so, so let me put this to you. So I don't really know you, okay. What do we think of Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus is? How are you relating to him? When we were singing earlier, was that an act of worship towards Jesus? Because Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in Jesus, and that is to say, whoever believes Jesus is God, and worships him appropriately, shall not perish. Hey, you may have come here into this building bankrupt spiritually. You weren't aware where you stood in God. Whether it is a heaven or a hell or whatever there may be out there. I give you this word from God. From his word, the Bible. That if you bow your knee to Jesus and recognize and worship him as God, you'll walk out of this place renewed, transformed, with the hope 
of peace with God and God's heaven. It's why, this, it's why I sell and peddle this religion. Because it's the easiest thing to sell. Because I don't want your money. And I don't want your good works. And I, I don't want, want what you can offer me. This is the easiest thing to sell your heart, okay? Because it doesn't require transaction. You just take it away and walk with it, and you can do that today. And if you have done that, and I trust, and, and most probably, I don't want to insult you <laughs> in, in any seriousness at least, okay? Is, is that, look, you may all know this, and so I want to just encourage you, here's my word to you, uh, the word that I, I felt that I wanted to bring to you in Jesus' name. If you do already believe in him, then keep worshipping him. Worship him. Do you remember Thomas when he had the revelation of who Jesus was by putting his hands into uh, the, the nail pierced holes? Which incidentally tells us this, that even in heaven, even in heaven, Jesus will bear the marks. And this is why the transaction's free. This is why it won't cost you a thing. Because he'll bear the marks of the cost of providing that freely. Even in heaven. We may forget a lot about earth. We will never forget the price of our salvation. And so as he put his hands into, into those empty holes, his response was, my Lord and my God. Why are we taking up with Jesus? Why are we worshipping him? Why do we sing about him? Why is his name on our lips all the time? It's because this is our God. Yes. This is the one who created you, who made you, who gave you life, and who desires and seeks to be in relationship with you. Worship him. Worship him. There is no greater revelation of God than Jesus Christ.